Hi, everybody. You're watching Coffee and Cannabis or listening to Coffee and Cannabis. Uh, today, I have a very special guest. It's Sam Hollander. He's with Enlighten, uh, and he's going to tell us about what that company is, what it does, who he is, and then we're going to talk cannabis for a little bit. So uh, stay tuned. This is going to be fun, I think. And with that, Sam, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Sam Hollander. I am the chief digital officer for Enlighten. Enlighten is the largest retail technology and marketing technology in cannabis, connecting brands with consumers. Nice, nice to uh, be here and chat with everybody. Yeah. Well, I was looking at the website a bit and you guys do, you have a lot of solutions kind of, in my opinion, uh, which is great because that's what cannabis needs right now. We've got a lot of problems, but we need solutions to those problems. Uh, I come from the ad tech space, and it looks like you guys have a platform for advertising because, you know, Google, Facebook, Instagram, everybody hates cannabis right now. You need outlets for digital media, and it looks like you guys have a kind of a solution for that. So if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the cannabis industry is very interesting due to the regulations around uh, cannabis at the federal at the state level. It's obviously federally uh, illegal still. Um, it, it makes digital advertising very difficult. As you mentioned, Arden, earlier in the conversation, you know, Facebook, uh, uh, Google, the trade desk, some of the larger ad tech platforms. Uh, really have an, uh, an anti-cannabis stance. And that, in my opinion, really comes down to that kind of federal and state issue and not really understanding the guidelines and, and companies becoming uh, uh, concerned about the, the blowback if they were to take that those dollars. Um, Enlighten was formed uh, about four and a half years ago, really as a retail technology company. And eventually that morphed into an advertising platform. Uh, I think earlier, uh, later in this conversation, we're going to go into my background and kind of how I came here. But, uh, you know, ultimately my expertise uh, comes from programmatic advertising. I spent uh, four, four and a half years at a mobile location company and then a uh, little over a year at an influencer platform where I helped them build a connected TV strategy and programmatic buying around that. And uh, following that period of time, I took a, a little bit of a period off where I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And uh, I have a lot of exposure to the cannabis industry due to my wife uh, and her family. My wife's family actually uh, owns and operates one of the largest privately held multi-state operators in the country. And uh, as they were opening uh, one of their first stores in Somerville, Massachusetts, my wife approached me and started asking me about digital advertising and cannabis, uh, because as you mentioned, from an ad tech perspective and a digital advertising perspective, it, it's just become increasingly more difficult, uh, you know, for, for cannabis uh, uh, advertisers and, you know, it's not really just cannabis advertisers. It's really any kind of vice industry, cannabis, gambling, uh, so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, I sat down and did some research and really what I found at that, uh, point in time. And at, at this point in time, Surfside and Philo really were not the larger entities that they are today. 
And I sat down and built uh, or started to build at least laid the groundwork to build a demand side platform for cannabis that would allow advertisers, cannabis advertisers to access uh, premium inventory and random inventory across the digital ecosystem the same way any other advertiser would, but compliantly at the state level. Uh, and that really uh, led me to the two guys at Enlighten who founded Enlighten, Colby McKenzie and Jeremy Jacobs. And they asked me if I wanted to come on board to help them extend their offering outside of the four walls of the dispensary, uh, which was what their current solution uh, slate was at the time. And I came on board and we've really built the platform since. And, and now Enlighten is really the only true end-to-end -end solution in cannabis. And what I mean by that is we uh, touch every consumer touch point throughout the entire marketing funnel mm -hmm. uh, from an awareness perspective on connected TV, advertising in premium publishing environments like a Rolling Stone or a Condé Nast to mid-funnel driving engagement, getting buyers to prospective buyers and loyalists to uh, retailers or brands' websites, as well as lower funnel activity where we drive foot traffic into retailers, uh, where uh, buyers are then, or consumers are then immersed with this engaging exp and educational experience through our digital signage business and our point of sale advertising platform. And then we retarget them after the fact to drive brand consistency and drive them either back into the dispensary experience or online into an e-commerce experience where they can, uh, you know, kind of hit that last touch point. All right. So we've talked a little bit about ad tech, which is your area of expertise. I don't want to get into the secret sauce side of things because obviously that's all behind the scenes. But I want to talk about my experience and then what your guy's solution is compared to that. Sure. Um, so when I first got started in cannabis marketing and looking at promoting myself as an expert in cannabis, I was looking to buy any advertising I could, but I kept getting shut out of Google, Facebook, the like. At the time, this was 2018, 2019, so three years ago. There were solutions, but the websites clearly were a white label rebranding of something else. And when you actually went and checked out the inventory they were listing, it was no good. There was right. no impressions and you wouldn't want to be associated with the type of websites you were winding up on. Uh, I want to talk about here we are in 2021. What does that space look like today in terms of what are premium publishers that you guys are able to work with? And how do you foster good relationships with possibly publishers that are willing to take on cannabis, but they're not considered cannabis related? Yeah, and it's another great question. Um, you know, to your point, uh, a few years ago, there were smaller platforms that kind of existed where you could tap into programmatic uh, advertising solutions and, you know, advertise across the web. But a lot of that content that you were advertising on was endemic focused content. Uh, you know, places like, like High Times, uh, Leafly, MJ Biz, et cetera, uh, as well as pretty much salacious material, places like Pornhub, uh, you know, other area, other websites that, that buyers and, and advertisers just necessarily maybe didn't want to be associated with. 
Um, that has definitely changed over the last several years. And I think that that has to do a lot with the stigma subsiding around the industry as a whole. Um, it definitely started with the West Coast. So, um, you know, fast forward to 2021, and that's really changed. And as I mentioned, I think, you know, a lot of that has to do with the stigma subsiding, definitely starting with the West Coast, where cannabis has been a part of culture since, you know, the late 90s, early 1000s, uh, you know, and it's slowly made its way to the East Coast, especially as, uh, you know, state states have legalized cannabis, either medicinally or recreationally, um, you know, and I think that that's going to continue to transform over the next several years, specifically with big states like New York and New Jersey coming online. Um, you know, as it relates specifically to ad tech, uh, Enlighten uh, has really been able to work directly with a myriad of uh, premium publishers as well as supply side platforms to access inventory the same way uh, most buyers would programmatically. Uh, in terms of what that inventory looks like, we have access to inventory on Barstool Sports, uh, CBS Sports, mm -hmm. Condé Nast, Rolling Stone, um, Gannett, uh, to name a few off of the top of my head. And, and you know, obviously hundreds and thousands of other smaller utility apps, gaming apps, things like that. Uh, as I'm sure you're aware, Arden, but maybe your listeners not so much, the idea of programmatic advertising is, you know, really logging into a system uh, or a technology platform and being able to access remnant inventory from across the digital ecosystem. Uh, what I mean by remnant inventory is actual places that you can put your ad across various different, different websites. And that's all done in an auction-based environment where you're bidding on that inventory and the highest price basically wins. Um, you know, as a result of that, it's, it's a very performance-based medium. So the idea is not necessarily trying to get your ad on that Condé Nast uh, uh, page or on the Rolling Stone page about Jerry Garcia or whatever it may be. Uh, while that is extremely compelling and buyers definitely want to be in premium locations and in areas where their buyers or their prospective buyers are actually consuming content, um, you know, it, it's also important to be in the places that are going to perform best. Uh, so that's really what we're working on in Enlighten. While we can get you into those premium environments and it will definitely be part of your overall uh, ad package as we put it in front of you, you'll also be on a number of various different websites with the complete ability to white label uh, websites. So if you all don't want to be in a specific location after we start our campaign and begin to optimize, we can negatively target those websites, so on and so forth. And I think the other you know, major piece to that puzzle, uh, especially what you mentioned before about impressions and clicks is transparency. You know, mainstream ad tech um, you know, when, when Coca-Cola as an example, or Budweiser or any other major CPG brand goes and buys, uh, you know, programmatic advertising, they have complete transparency into that buying process, what the inventory costs, where your ads are running, how optimization is happening, impressions, clicks, conversions at the actual publisher level. 
uh, Enlighten is working within the cannabis industry to change that. And we're providing all of our clients complete transparency into the entire buying process so that we can really educate the industry as to digital, the, the digital advertising and digital advertising buying experience so that it becomes more comfortable for brands and retailers. And they realize that just because Facebook, Google, and Twitter, and some of these bigger platforms aren't at their fingertips, there are other mechanisms to advertise and get in front of your consumers and your prospective consumers to continue to grow your brand. Right. Uh, this is all really good stuff that my audience needs to hear. Uh, because a lot of what I want to talk about now is when is a company, a cannabis brand, mature enough to start investing ad dollars into exposure like your systems? Uh, because a lot of people, they automatically think, I have to be Coca-Cola before I can really start getting in front of my target audience. But with the event of you know impression targeting and retargeting, the ability to follow users across the internet... Uh, the ability to, you know, on the fly adjust to the content that's actually getting the best results. Um, you know, when is a brand ready to start stepping into this world? Yeah, so at Enlighten, we actually have a no minimum policy. So we will work with brands that are just trying to get their feet wet, if you will, in this experience. We built a self-serve platform. Uh, it's one of the first self-serve platforms uh, available to cannabis buyers. There were one or two smaller platforms that uh, were available prior to us building our platform. Although uh, in my own experience from using those platforms, they were not very sophisticated. Um, so, so that platform that we built is really geared towards that small business owner mm -hmm. where they can start to understand the nuance of digital advertising buying, uh, what objectives buyers should be thinking about, and what the minimum spend is to be able to get specific types of reports. We also have a managed service offering. Our managed service offering is really for the more sophisticated buyers, the multi-state operators, the vertically integrated uh, operators, as well as major brands who have significant uh, budgets and can really start to understand the various different types of reports that we can provide so that they can continue to get intelligence and grow their, 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 their business. Um, what I mean by that is market intelligence is a really, really important thing. Understanding who your consumer is, is extremely important and should be a strategy that brands are continually deploying and continuing to refine time and time again. Uh, it's not something that you just come into a platform, start targeting people, and then, you know, you kind of drop it and say, okay, it's working for me. I'm just going to continue doing this. Um, you know, it's, it's a constant education. It's constant learning. And Brands and retailers are not going to find success if they just put in $10,000 for a few months and then say, okay, I saw some return on my investment. I'm going to wait now until the next big sales push or sales holiday, whether that's 420, uh, Green Wednesday, any other holiday, so on and so forth. Um, 
you know, you know, and then just kind of pick it back up again. It needs to be an always on strategy. Uh, to more directly answer your question about when brands should really start to think about this, in my opinion, brands should always be thinking about this. Once you have a brand established, once you have a retail location, it is your job as a business owner and a marketer to continually refine that strategy and continually try and find innovative ways to target your audience and engage that audience. And that can be, that can come in many different forms. It can come in, uh, you know, gaining market intelligence and understanding who your consumers are by uh, various different targeting mechanisms, whether you are a uh, edibles brand and you're trying to expand that horizon, maybe you're trying to wholesale new, new products and manufacture new products. So being, being able to refine that and understand what that audience looks like. If you're a retailer, you're obviously selling various different products. You have wholesale relationships, you have consumers, you want to worry about your loyalists, you want to drive new customer acquisition. There's all kinds of things that go into that, um, that you need to continually refine and continually have a strategy around to target those people. Um, you know, and, and, and digital advertising is one mechanism to do that. Programmatic and ad advertising is one mechanism to do that. And I would say it's probably the most efficient mechanism to do that. Uh, but there are a myriad of other ways that you can do that too. Uh, as an example, uh, at Enlighten, we also have a whole experiential. Uh, we have this uh, big bus called the Canna bus that's basically like a dispensary on wheels. Mm -hmm. So brands can tap into that you know, at, at a much higher level, do some kind of experiential uh, opportunity, whether it's a, a brand takeover at a music festival or doing some education with bud tenders and doing a road tour or a road show if you're a vertically integrated operator, capturing all of that on camera and then being able to utilize that content across your various different platforms, one, from a licensing and distribution perspective, but then two, also cutting that down into 15 and 15s and 30s and deploying it programmatically across across the various different ecosystems that you have available uh, at your fingertips. Um, so so in short, in my opinion, I, I think there is no, there shouldn't be a barrier to entry. The barrier to entry is when you can really start getting compelling data that's going to tell you you're getting a return on your ad spend. And typically what I've seen with that, depending on what the report is, if as an example, if you want to get a return on ad spend and foot traffic is the most important thing to you and you want to drive foot traffic into your new retail location or into a series of retail locations that you have, you know, typically you need to see about 3 million impressions to be able to provide a statistically relevant report for that. Um, you know, and that 3 million impressions, depending on what the CPM is, can be anywhere from 15 to about $20,000. And at Enlighten, we can spread that out in any way that you want, right? So if you're a small brand who's just trying to get their feet wet in advertising, uh, digital advertising to be specific, and maybe you only have a two to $5,000 budget a month, we can do that for you. We can work with you over a four, five, six month period to get that, to build up your brand, to start to learn what works, learn what doesn't work, and then ultimately provide that return on ad spend at the end of the campaign for you so that you can see that it actually works so that we can continue to work on that relationship together and help you refine that strategy. That's really what we're here for. That's excellent. I mean, that's the type of education that brands need you guys are providing to them, you know, in that, you know, 
you need 3 million impressions before you can see a return on this thing. That's something brands need to know, right? Because everyone, it, it's this impulse with digital that you see results right away, right? But I always tell people, you need to run a campaign for two months before you start seeing real effect. And if that campaign ends at the end of two months, well, guess what? You're going to see a spike and a nosedive and then it's done because you have no lasting impression to keep things running. Right. Uh, so that's why I'm, I'm glad to hear, you know, the way you guys are talking about ad spend and spending smartly and investing in the right places and the right ways over the right periods to get yeah. the return that you guys want to see. Yeah. And, there, you know, there was a great article in Rolling Stone. Um, I forget the title of the article and it was in the last few days, but it was all about how cannabis brands really need to think about education and educating consumers. And I found it really interesting because us as technology providers need to do the same thing. And especially in this industry where it's still a very nascent industry and we're trying to figure out how to, how to grow and how to gain access to all the tools and solutions that most advertisers in the regular world in quotes have, right. um, you know, and, and I guess where I'm going with that is it, it's almost like this intersection of, uh, you know, technology platforms and, uh, you know, clients, whether it's an MSO, a vertically integrated operator, a mom and pop or a brand really working together on, on almost this mutual educational process whether that's buying technology and understanding the nuance of how these solutions work or, and that's the B2B aspect mm -hmm. or the B2C aspect where you actually need to educate consumers on this industry to drive new customer acquisition, to get uh, feet into the door, to drive people into your online e-commerce environment, so on and so forth. Yeah. Uh, speaking of customers, uh, you know, you guys, because of the nature of cannabis right now and the regulations on it, uh, you actually have a leg up on pharma right now because pharma has so I worked in pharma for like a year and a half uh, and I wanted to tear my hair out because I'm working digital, but I can't get any meaningful data, right? I could tell you clicks and all the drives to the website and that, but I can't tell you connection to scripts written, right? Uh, because there, by HIPAA rules and everything else, there's a disconnect between the pharmacy and everything you do online, right? You can't identify the person across that barrier. So cannabis, you guys get to see a snapshot of what the end customer actually looks like. Uh, and I'd like to talk about, in my eye, there's a misconception about what a cannabis consumer looks like, who you're average consumer actually is because i d the image in people's heads due to the stigma and years of all the reefer madness and everything is not your actual consumer so i want to talk about who the actual consumer based on the data you guys are seeing is at least here in california yeah I, you're 100 percent right about that i mean the the stigma is that it's this heavy set dude that sits on a couch and eats Cheetos all day and, and doesn't move and sleeps. And that's just totally false. Uh, especially now that we 
have all of this research across various different verticals that cannabis, uh, you know, medicinally can be impactful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just reading uh, some some articles about uh, cannabis and fitness and health, uh, and that really the reason for for that read was you know us as a company we're also going after non endemic. Uh, uh, brands, you know, the Pelotons of the world, the Lululemons of the world, the Nikes of the world, so on and so forth, uh, to talk to those brands about the benefit of targeting a cannabis consumer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, th- this article and the research that's been done is all about how cannabis and its derivative from the plant, CBD, can help with inflammation. And it can help with your blood flow and it can help take your mind off of certain things when you're working out, if you're not a person who likes to work out every day. Uh, So there's all of these other medicinal benefits. And that's just one example that I think talk to who the actual consumer is. Um, You know, and and in California, that consumer is going to look drastically different than that consumer in Massachusetts, New York, or, you know, any of the Southern states like Florida. And that just has to do with the overall archetype and makeup of who that consumer is within each state. Um, You know, so there isn't really one specific consumer that you can really pinpoint. And and I think that talks to what I was talking about before, about how marketers need to continue to refine that strategy over time of who your audience is so that you can have that strategy to target uh, prospective customers, new customers, loyalists, and even within those three major categories of client acquisition, there's an archetype or, or, or a persona of who that that person is too, right? Um, you know, what we've seen at least overall is that, uh, you know, it, it kind of spans multiple generations at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have kind of the millennial generation who has really helped to advance this industry. And I think that in addition to the stigma of that person that I was talking about earlier, that's kind of the other ideal target audience for this uh, uh, industry. However, you know, you have the baby boomers mm-hmm. and our parents who uh, probably were consuming some type of cannabis in the 60s, 70s and 80s and, you know, was just kind of the war on drugs. And there was all this false uh, uh, mentality around it, if you will. And I know with my parents, at least, that there was a period of time where, you know, they, they weren't mad about me smoking, but they weren't for it. Right. Right. And now like, I go out to my parents' house when I'm visiting them on the weekends in the summer, uh, you know, or I go and I play golf with my dad or whatever that may be. And all of a sudden it's, it's this open topic and, you know, um, you know, consumption is okay. So it's just in that example, you can see that the stigma has gone, right? Um, you know, and, and kind of adding to that a little bit more, uh, you know, I, I think there's a ton of different categories and, and interests in it. You mentioned pharma, I mentioned, uh, you know, fitness and health earlier, uh, you know, people are also using it uh, as, um, uh, you know, a, a mechanism to help with hunger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's all kinds of different different target audiences that we can we can go after and kind of slice and dice that anyway. 
And I think the other more compelling thing too, uh, especially from a programmatic perspective is we don't just target cannabis consumers. We want to understand who that consumer is. So we know that cannabis consumption is just a small little piece of who that person might be. But that person might also be a high household income individual mm. who shops at Whole Foods, who goes to the gym, who likes sports, who maybe has two kids, so on and so forth. So it's really about understanding who that that person is and creating that holistic profile of that individual so that you can really accurately target that person and target them on platforms and, and within content that they're actually consuming. And that's how your brand is going to resonate. Your message is going to resonate. Excuse me. Right. You know, I always bring up the example of I have friends back east in Pennsylvania and all of the housewives went from Chardonnay to vape pens, right? Because that's how they consume cannabis out there because it, Pennsylvania is... Um, I'm trying to think of a non-curse word way of saying this, but it's a clusterfuck of regulations where edibles you can't do, right? But you can get RSO and you can get flour and you can get concentrate in some forms, but not all forms. It's a nightmare, right? But for soccer moms, the vape pens work and it's the ability to, you know, sit the kids in front of a TV for a few minutes, go relax, have some me time. Right. And, and still be a good parent and be connected to your kids and do all those things. You know, it's not about checking out from life. It's about letting life just calm down a little bit, you know, uh, and more and more people are realizing that. I was just on a call the other day talking about California cannabis. And one of the interesting things that came up was your average female consumer in California leans liberal but your average male consumer reads re Republican or independent, right? And, and it's like, wait a second, that crowd is actually into It's like, yes, everybody's into it because the number one reason reported right now for cannabis consumption in California is 75% self-reporting saying, I de-stress, right? I want to just, you know, relax. I want to unwind from work and everything that's going on because we can't unplug right now. Uh, yep. So that's, you know, as more new consumers come into cannabis, the stigma just continues to decrease. Uh, and also another topic I'm hoping to get into as I interview some more people is entertainment and cannabis and how that's destigmatizing over time with a new archetype for your stoner versus the old archetype that has been, you know, played to death. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think the entertainment business has done a really good job at that. Um, you know, in, in a number of different ways, you obviously have various different films and television shows that uh, clearly depict cannabis consumption and even have themes resonating throughout their storylines uh, about cannabis. And then on the other side, you also have so many different entertainers and musicians and athletes getting into this business. Uh, you know, the big one is obviously Jay-Z and, mm -hmm. and the Kalika brand, uh, as well as the parent company, which is the the, uh, the company that kind of oversees all of his different products and retail operations. You have Seth Rogen, yeah. uh, who is obviously very much associated with the cannabis industry. And he, uh, you know, just launched his brand in the US. I saw earlier this morning, Wiz Khalifa, 
is uh, doing a brand. I think it was Wiz Khalifa or maybe it was Little Wayne. It was one of the two of them is launching a brand in Missouri. Yep. Um, you know, and then obviously you have kind of the not so obvious ones, but they make sense. Martha Stewart yep. doing the whole CBD line with um, with Canopy mm-hmm. uh, and trying to, 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 to spread that in the U.S. And it's interesting on the Martha Stewart example and, and, and talking about how the stigma is subsiding and how cannabis and CBD is just becoming such a part of mainstream society. My, my wife and I went for a walk on Sunday. It was beautiful in New York. It was uh, almost 60 degrees. And, you know, we were walking around Central Park and it got a little bit crowded and we're still a little bit COVID, mm-hmm. uh, COVID nuts. So we walked out of the park and walked over to Madison Avenue. We're on the Upper East Side. And we walked up Madison Avenue and stopped in Butterfield Market. And right there, prominently placed on the corner, right by the checkout, was Martha Stewart's CBD gummies. Yeah, for everybody to buy, uh, to, for everybody to buy. So it's just you know, I think I think just to the point of celebrities and entertainment, it's really helped uh, uh, this industry kind of move forward and help with that 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 stigma subside. Um, you know, and I, and I only think that that growth is going to continue. Um, you know, I don't I think celebrities and, and and athletes and musicians definitely help with that narrative in terms of, uh, uh, you know, what that looks like in the coming years and who kind of rises above the fold. I think it'll be to be seen. Right. What is so here's the thing. You're out in New York. Right. And you're seeing East Coast. New Jersey is, in my opinion, screwing everything up. Uh, but that's just my opinion. Uh, but I'm hopeful that I can go back to the East Coast and have, you know, as good or better a cannabis experience than I'm having out here in California. All right. Uh, I've been to Las Vegas. Vegas is doing a great job with cannabis right now. Uh, I hear great things about Oklahoma opening up. Uh, so as more and more states tar- start to legalize, right, and the Fed keeps kicking this, you know, around, I... Uh, where do you see cannabis going in the next five years, you know, uh, and uh, how does that impact your business going forward? I do think that the Safe Banking Act is going to pass, uh, which I think will drastically help this industry. And it creates a huge safety net for uh, uh, cannabis sellers, if you will. Uh, whether it's retail or brands uh, nationwide, you know, historically, as a result of there not being easy access to banking, it has put a lot of a lot of retailers and brands in dangerous situations, you know, because it's an all cash business to some extent. Uh, you know, I, I just remember in the early days on the East Coast, um, you know, being down in, in D.C. through my wife's family's experience and seeing all the different process that goes into that and how they needed to transport different uh, 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 funds and do different things. And, and it was dangerous. Yeah. So, um, you know, I do foresee that happening. and I think that that's going to happen quickly. Um, I also think decriminalization is going to happen at some point before the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that will drastically change the entire landscape. 
I think it will open up uh, the industry as a whole. I think that as a result of that opening up, brands are brands and retailers are going to become more comfortable spending uh, a significant amount more on marketing. Uh, I also think that COVID is going to have something to do with that. Uh, you know, while this industry was deemed essential, I still think that COVID did take a hit on the bottom line for most most companies. Mm-hmm. And it's not that they didn't want to market or they weren't spending significant resources on marketing. I think it just impacted their strategy and trying to figure out what they wanted to do. And as things open back up, and the floodgates start to open, we're going to see an, uh, an insurgence of money going into marketing, whether that's traditional marketing, digital marketing, so on and so forth. I think decriminalization is going to also open up the floodgates for platforms that have previously prohibited cannabis advertising. Um, you know, and I don't know initially if that becomes Facebook and Google. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Facebook and Google are under such scrutiny right now with everything that's going on from data practices and fake accounts and all yeah. of that type of stuff that they just have so much that they have to worry about that this is not something that they're going to touch until federal legalization happens. Right. However, I could see some of the radio companies, the major radio companies, as well as the major TV broadcast companies starting to dabble in this. Maybe it's on streaming platforms versus your traditional broadcast television mechanism or uh, traditional terrestrial radio. But I do see those floodgates starting to open, which is gonna only open more experience, more opportunities, specifically mass reach opportunity Mm -hmm. for brands. Um, you know, and, and I, I know one thing that I've been trying to do and working with some of our partners is, is staying in constant contact with a lot of those major broadcast companies, um, and, and, and major radio companies, you know, right now within their digital ecosystems programmatically through a supply side platform, uh, you can kind of get your your message on mm-hmm. some of those platforms. I mentioned CBS Sports before, so that's an example of one right. uh, that I've seen pop up a number of times. But ultimately, from a connected TV experience, as an example, and that's one thing that we're trying to pioneer in this industry, which is increasingly difficult due to the fact that while we target 21+, plus, while we know that there is someone that is 21 plus in that household, we can't guarantee that there is not someone else watching that television. Right. Um, you know, but ultimately, I would love to be able to work with any of our multi-state operating partners or our vertically integrated partners, of which we work with a lot of them, to give them an opportunity to advertise during the Super Bowl or Major League ba- Baseball playoffs or. Uh, you know, the Grammys or the Oscars, just the same way that FanDuel and DraftKings do and Budweiser does. Right. Why should a, a, a major cannabis company, uh, you know, a Cureleaf, a Cresco, a Holistic, a GTI, be able to do that the same way? Mm-hmm. Uh, just because federally they, they claim that 
just because of federally there's there's all these rules and restrictions around it. I mean, the beauty of connected television is it can be targeted the same way that you target your digital ads. So right. if we want to place an advertisement adjacent to the Super Bowl on CBS's streaming platform in California, Colorado and Washington, why shouldn't I be able to do that? Right. Um, so I, I think that and where I'm going with that is I do think that those opportunities are going to slowly start to, to, to open up. Uh, and I think that's something that will happen in the next two, two and a half years or so. Maybe it'll take a little bit longer. I think it depends on some of the regulations that happen. Um, you know, we'll see what happens and how far uh, Cory Booker and Chuck Schumer's bill goes in the Senate that they're going to introduce either this week or next week. Um, you know, so it's, so it's TBD. And then, you know, in terms of kind of the big question from everybody, right, when is legalization going to happen? That's the, the key question. You know, I, I personally think that we're probably 12, 24 months away and going back to COVID. I think COVID has a big impact on that. I think while states have really been more affected by COVID than, than the federal government. State governments have been affected more. Um, I still think the federal government, as we come out of COVID, is going to be looking for quick infusions of cash. And yeah. the easiest way to do that is to federally legalize cannabis and, and tax it out the wazoo. Yeah. Um, um, that so. actually brings up an interesting point, which uh, I think part of the future of cannabis going forward in and out of COVID. Uh, and one of the things that you were mentioning, you were seeing, you know, retailers not getting as much of a bump as you would think from everyone being locked down. And a large part of that is people not having cash flow, right? And here in California, California taxes out the wazoo. So at minimum, you're spending $30 for an eighth for dirt weed, all right? Uh, if you want to get anything halfway decent, you got to spend 60 bucks an eighth. And that's a huge expense for people on a fixed or limited or non-existent income at this point. Uh, I think there has to be some sort of adjustment of these taxes, uh, either at the dispensary level, at the grower level, whatever it is, to put some relief on the price points uh, at some point, because they're keeping a lot of consumers out of the market or limiting their purchases. Yeah, I think there's a few things to unpack there. And one, you know, we we're talking about kind of who the cannabis audience is before and what that consumer archetype is. And you kind of just hit it spot on, right? The average product is $60. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's not just California. I mean, it, it definitely varies state to state, but that's the average size of a, of a product, the average sale, uh, the average price of a product, excuse me. Um, and that equates to a higher household income yeah. because people aren't going into a dispensary and just buying one product. They're buying multiple products. Yeah. Um, so I agree to make it more accessible to lower income families, uh, people who have been affected adversely by the opioid crisis, who, uh, you know, people that come from, uh, you know, impoverished neighborhoods who may need access to more natural forms of medicine. Um, you know, I agree that 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 needs to be uh, addressed. And 
I do think it's probably more on the government versus the manufacturers, right? The manufacturers know what it costs to build a product or to grow a product, I should say. Uh, they know what it costs for all of the tools and solutions that they need to put that product on the shelves for people to go and buy. And that's probably not going to change. So as a result of that, there's only two different ways to really make that happen. One is the government understanding the price point that goes into manufacturing these products, mm -hmm. uh, as well as the logistics to get them to the shelves, of course, because uh, you have to take that into consideration. Um, you know, and, and as a result of understanding that, lowering the tax to making it somewhere more in line with you know, the alcohol and spirits industry, maybe. Yep. I think that's probably a, a good comparison, although I would argue that a lot of people in this industry probably would say, well, no, it should be more in line with major CPG products. And I understand the comparison, but most CPG products are not controlled in dangerous substances. So it's right. a little bit different. Uh, you know, and then on the other side, um, you know, it's, it's manufacturers being able to produce more from their plants. And there's so many unforeseen things that can happen in a grow. And, and I don't know all of the ins and outs. I'm not a, a scientist uh, or a botanist in any way, shape or form, but I do know enough to know that there are so many different things that can go wrong that a lot of times it's hard to maximize the yield from a specific plant. So, uh, you know, understanding that there's always so many different variables, so they have to price everything at a certain price point to be able to make their margin so that they can be a successful business. And I'm sure there's going to be people that are listening to me and saying, oh, well, you know, you, you, you sound like a capitalist, you sound like the man, right? But at the end of the day, we are in industry it's a it's a new growing nascent industry but we are an industry and as a result of that that means that there is uh supply and demand there is capitalism involved and we have to take all of that into consideration so well you know just because uh you know you want a healthy business doesn't make you a bad person right uh companies aren't inherently wrong it's what they do all right. Do they use their power for good or for evil? That's, you know, the question that people are wrestling with right now. My question that I wrestle with is how does cannabis keep moving forward in the best way possible so it sets the best example so that things like the excise tax here in California goes from twice over twice what liquor is down to maybe what liquor is, you know, 6%. That sounds reasonable. Because now you've not only got the excise tax, you've got local city taxes on top, right? Because everyone wants their peace. And uh, I'm okay with paying tax for stuff if it goes to s good things, right? Is it going to education? Are we seeing the schools improve? Or are you just funneling that money to something else you want, right? Uh, so uh, ca cannabis, I love it being a good tax generator, for local governments and state and federal at some point, but you've got to do the right thing with those taxes. Colorado invested into its schools and it's seen great returns, right? Uh, in fact, they had so much money one year, they had to give some back. That, that's, you know, 
who doesn't love that story as a taxpayer? Oh, they had to give money back because they did so good with it? Great. Here's more yeah. money next year. Uh, so, you know, cannabis is, as a cash business, as it is right now, it's a great revenue generator, but let's do the right thing with it. And let's do the right thing as an industry to make sure that the man doesn't keep wanting to crack down on it. Um, but anyway, that's that's my little soapbox for the day. I, uh, you know, we're, we're almost in an hour, so I want to be conscious of your time. And I think we've covered a lot of great ground today. You've definitely educated my audience on a lot of stuff that I wanted to cover anyway. Uh, so I want to put the ball in your court. Uh, if there's, you know, one message, case study, whatever it is that you want to share with the people about Enlighten and what it can do for them and, you know, why they should reach out and contact you guys, uh, you know, now's your time. Go for it. Yeah. You know, I think I mentioned a lot of different things throughout this conversation, but really, I think education is the most important thing. We are here as a partner for our prospective clients. We want to work with every major brand in this industry so they can understand the nuance of digital advertising uh, and retail signage for that matter. And we want to help them through that process and educate them and continue to grow with them as their business continues to, to progress. And to that point, uh, you know, we have a team of dedicated customer special customer service specialists and I can guarantee any anybody that calls us, anybody on your audience that, that calls us that we will be here to walk you through the entire process to hold your hand if you want your help, your hand held just so that you can understand how this works. So you can start to understand the data that uh, we can provide and garner for you from any campaign that's going to help improve your business. Uh, we're not we're not just another tech company that's going to come here, try and take your money and, you know, say sayonara. Uh, we view every relationship as a potential long term fruitful partnership that is going to be beneficial, not just for us, but also for our brand partners. Um, you know, so for that, uh, you know, on that note, you know, if anybody wants to reach out. Uh, it's sam.hollander at getenlightened.io. Uh, you can also. Uh, find me on LinkedIn, um, you know, or, or you can go to our website, check us out and fill out a form and, and we'll, we'll be in contact. Uh, you know, and I look forward to, to talking to anybody who's, who's interested in learning more about what we can potentially do and provide for them. That's excellent. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time today to actually, you know, sit down with me, do this awkward, you know, over Zoom thing. Uh, I want to thank my audience for tuning in to Coffee and Cannabis and checking this out. I hope you guys learned a lot and paid attention and took notes. There will be a quiz. Uh, but yeah, Sam, this has been truly educational, truly enlightening. Uh, and, you know, I really enjoyed this conversation. It has been a really good one. Yeah, I, I appreciate the time, Arden. And thanks for having me on. And um yeah, I hope your audience enjoyed it and you know maybe we can do it again and dive in a little bit deeper at some point in the near future. I would love to. That would be great. Let's uh, schedule something. Sounds sounds good. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Well, thank you again for your time today on Coffee and Cannabis. I want to thank my audience and I'll catch you next time.